and Dr. Wendy Hill. I'm so glad you're here with me right now. We're on this life's journey together. The way I see it is you and I are a team, and together we can explore the wonderful possibilities for personal and spiritual growth. I believe each of us has within the power to heal and to manifest the best and highest that is already within us. If you would like to have more direct contact with me, go to my website, wendyhill.com, and call, text, or email me. Let's keep taking this journey together. Welcome again to How to Be Happy with Dr. Wendy. And Felicia is here again with us today. Welcome, Felicia. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. And you're going to be talking today about how to create and to give support. So tell us what you mean by that. Tell us your experience. So I've noticed a pattern both through my own experiences in life and now looking at the other people around me in life uh, that there's a type of support that we typically offer each other that really isn't providing a lot of resolution and is just looking like temporary relief. And I've found that there's really a healthy way to offer support that's very simple. That's so well, now you but, but first you're talking about what we delude ourselves into thinking is support. Mm-hmm. Tell us what those patterns are, what you see. <laughs> uh, well, I know for me a huge pattern in my life would be when I was experiencing something overwhelming, uh, whether it was an emotional experience or a circumstance that had me just so charged and heated, um, for lack of a better word, really I'd go to my friends and I would bitch. And they would listen and sometimes they would share their own stories that were just as emotionally charged to be able to meet me in that energy, uh, or they would offer solutions to fix the circumstantial problem. In other words, they would try and save you. Exactly, and I would do the same for them, and there was a sort of relief in that scenario. However, the circumstances would keep repeating themselves, and so it, it got me curious about how much it's really helping rather than perpetuating the issue uh, because we're keeping it very surface level. You know, it's interesting as you're talking about this, I I can almost hear the listener say, but that's what a good friend does. (laughs) A good friend lets you bitch and lets you talk and then lets you save them and you try and save them and they try and save you. So maybe our listeners are going, okay, if that's not it, then what is it? Yeah, and it's confusing because there's definitely an impulse there to revert back to that sort of communication. And not to make Isn't it there wrong. some value in having someone to talk to about the problem and just having it released out there on the table? At least I'm talking to somebody, even though it's a bitching session. Exactly. And, you know, I think in some scenarios, that is uh, a step up from, let's say, being in isolation. You know, in my practice as a therapist, um, when I first started practice, you know, I'm very direct and I'm thinking, okay, I don't want to spend time listening to the, to the complaining or the storytelling of my clients. But I've learned um, 
and in my own therapy that it was a necessary step that I had to listen because that's a story inside of them that somehow needs to be told mm -hmm. and that I need to tell if I'm in therapy mm -hmm. before I am ready then to take the next step mm -hmm. into finding an alternative way of thinking and feeling and being. What do you think about that? think that's possible that that I have so much appreciation for that approach <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and in my experience that's definitely a learned uh, approach because the other way is so familiar it's a it's like it's like a pathway that we just revert to uh, because there is a comfort there and so I don't I try to stay away from calling any behavior good or bad because there there can be some value uh, in a behavior, especially like this type of support. And I believe there is a, a different way that can have even more impact and create lasting transformation in a person's life. So when you said to yourself, there must be another way other than having bitch uh, sessions where we try and save each other, what, what did you find? Well, along my journey, I was blessed to receive a kind of support that I didn't know existed and it's so simple and there was really an experience that I had that really helped lock that in for me that showed me the value of um, what aligned well, what is that simple like. experience uh, so I was in a group and we were doing some intense healing work together and this was a space that I felt very safe in and I had cultivated uh, the ability to, or really less the ability and more, I'd cultivated a level of comfort around asking for support, which was a whole journey in itself. It took me a long time to get there. Uh, so you, you learned to ask, I say, I need support. Yeah, and that was not an easy thing for me at first. <laughs> For most, of us, it, for most of us, it doesn't even occur to us that we could have the, the power mm -hmm. or the choice to even say that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, and in some cases, for very good reason, because I think asking for support from the wrong people or the wrong situation can be more detrimental could than be, it is could helpful. Could be. Could be. That's true. Okay, so you asked for support in a safe group. What was the simple thing that you got that allowed you to get out of the pattern of bitch and save? Mm -hmm. uh, well, to share the impact for me, I'd like to share some of the context uh, of what was going on. Uh, and really what had unfolded in this space, because of the depth that we had gone to together, there, there was this arising of this just deep love where everyone was just in this space together of this unconditional compassion and connection with one another. And it felt so good. And I was so taken off guard because in that moment, there was a switch that had happened. And all of a sudden, I felt overwhelming sadness to the point where I almost couldn't hold it. And it was so confusing because everybody around me was in this, like, just absolute bliss and happiness and connection and I was in this internal battle where I was confused. I had just felt this deep love, and I was also feeling this overwhelming sadness that just felt like was about to burst through me, and I just 
it was very heavy and it was very painful. You know, as I hear you explain that, I'm, I wonder if this is what was happening. Um, sometimes when we have so much grief inside of ourselves for something that we hold about ourselves that's hurtful, like I'm not worthy, I'm not safe, I'm not loved, I'm not good enough, and we have that door open that shows us that we are loved, that we are safe. And to experience that, the grief that we've held in for so long can be, need to be expressed in the form of grief and relief. For example, if someone's through a traumatic experience and it's over, that person may only find time to cry mm -hmm. after the, the trauma's over. So is that maybe part of what you were experiencing? Yeah, that definitely resonates with me. I think that was a big part of this, actually. And, you know, in my confusion, I remembered my tools, one of them being to ask for support. And so I did with a, a woman who I deeply trusted. And rather than trying to fix my situation or figure out uh, exactly the root of what happened or um, sharing a tough experience she had had in that moment, all she did is stood silently in this unconditional acceptance. She listened deeply. Yep. And it wasn't even a listening of my story. I was in so much more emotional turmoil that I just started bawling. And she just stood there with her heart open and let me without trying to shift or change anything, just with her heart wide open and total acceptance. She didn't try and save you. No. And she also wasn't allowing herself to get merged with my experience. Like yes. she was, she wasn't, she had grown her capacity to hold space for somebody without going into my sadness with me. She was mm -hmm. able to stay in compassion for my experience uh, without taking on uh, my own suffering and trauma. Yes. And so there was something really interesting that happened in that moment is because I was met in this unconditional love, I was able to step back from my experience and see that I had coupled the experience of love with the experience of pain. And they were the same to me. And I wouldn't have been able to see that unless I was met in that way because it allowed me enough space to step back from my own experience. So you say you couple the experience of love with the experience of pain and that they're the same? Tell us more about that, what you mean. So I think what had happened is I had formulated beliefs uh, around what love is and around what pain is. And until that moment, I hadn't realized fully that they were separate because I, I had never had such a clear view. Are you saying that in some way, growing up, you learned somehow that love and pain were the same? In that moment, that's what I had come to. Interesting, because in looking at and working with core beliefs throughout my career, Oftentimes, our core beliefs formed 
and experiences that may couple love and pain at the same time. So a person may grow up as an adult seeking out painful relationships, thinking that that's love. Mm -hmm. You're nodding, so that matches what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's perfectly, it's like from that moment, so much of my life just make, made total sense. It's like a, an epiphany moment for you. Absolutely, and it, it was this understanding that there wasn't anything wrong with me. I had been creating my relationships. I had been creating both with with people and with life, with jobs, with money around this belief. And the most incredible part of this experience was that in seeing that, it, it almost became funny because I wasn't fixated in the experience anymore. I was able to see it for what it was and it was just a belief. It wasn't who I am. Like the experience of love and pain coupled was not who I am. It was just an experience that I had and a confusion that happened at some point. And because I could see it now, it naturally started to untangle itself. And my emotional charge at that moment dissipated. And all of a sudden, I wasn't sad anymore. And I can also see now, looking back, that what it offered me moving forward uh, was a choice point when I was faced with situations that would have been overwhelming in the past or triggered that experience of love being coupled with pain. Uh, because that had been the pathway I had walked for so long, it's, it's like there was a groove set. And so it's not like everything just magically changed. I was given this gift of choice so that when the triggers came, that would have sent me spinning and looping and asking questions about myself, like, what's wrong with me? And then you would have gone to a friend and, and bitched and then say, <laughs> tried to save each other, right? Exactly. That and pattern. the whole process, the whole cycle would have continued over mm -hmm. again. So by this woman, and the whole thing probably took 30 seconds, this woman standing in front of me with her heart opened helped me to reach my own realization about the the, rea the reality of what was happening, uh, gave me some space from the situation and gave me the power to choose a different action or a different direction in the future when a situation that's hard arose. So what you're saying is that when one is in the experience of love, and I don't mean just the thought of love, but the experience of love in one's body, one's heart, and one's mind, and it's Feeling that person, every cell of that experience of being loved and accepted unconditionally and compassionately, that in that experience arises your own healing, your own understanding, and your own release from core beliefs that held you. Mm -hmm. And that is the miracle of love. I have known, you know, as trained as a psychotherapist and doing this work for so many years, people think, okay, you've got to do certain things in therapy. Ultimately, all you need is the experience of love. That's what I believe. But there are many steps there, and you've been talking about those steps to that experience that you're just describing. That is a wonderful experience. It's the is it is that the ineffable experience that we talked about? 
when we were talking just together, the, that realization that you are loved? Absolutely. I think that's, it's the main part of all of this. It's, it's how we find ourselves. It's how we come back to ourselves. And from that place of fullness, it's how we can show up for other people. So we can find a way within ourselves to accept and love ourselves unconditionally as that woman was for you. And you can be that way for your friends. And in that way, pass on that gift. That That's an interesting subject. I would like to talk to you some more about that. Thank you so much for being here today, Felicia. We're going to talk some more about this. Thank you, Dr. Wendy. Thank you for taking this journey with me today. And until next time, know that you are loved beyond imagining.